Hello and welcome back to Break Your Budget, the podcast. My name is Michaela and I am your host and we are back with another episode. This week we're going to be talking about investing, some tips to get started, why you need to invest, all that fun stuff, as well as getting into my investment strategy, what I'm investing in, and I think it's going to be a good one. Um, A few things housekeeping-wise before we get started. So first things first, if you like this podcast, make sure you leave me a review. Um, If you want to be extra generous, don't forget to leave me a kind word review. If you're feeling quick, five stars would be fantastic. I'm really trying to grow my podcast this year. That's why I'm posting consistently every week. But also, when you leave me a review, it pushes the podcast out to other people. The more people that hear it, the more opportunity there is for this podcast to grow. So thank you so much. If you like this, don't forget to do that. And of course, make sure you're following me on Instagram, TikTok, subscribe to my email list all the things. The other housekeeping thing that I want to mention given the nature of this episode is about investing is just remember that everything that I say is based on my own personal opinion and experience and research. So don't take it as personal advice. It's not intended as financial advice and should not be interpreted that way. If you have questions, specific questions about your investing situation, what you specifically should invest in for your life and your goals. I can't answer those for you, so I highly recommend that you talk to a licensed professional if you're unable to make those decisions on your own. All right, now that we've got all that stuff out of the way, we can get into the fun stuff. So first, I'll give you guys a little catch up or update um, with what's been going on with me since last week. So Last week, I mean, I'm recording this a week before it's going up, so it's currently February 16th. So last week and weekend was the Super Bowl in LA, and obviously I live here, so it was a pretty crazy weekend. Um, I ended up taking some time off of my 9-to-5 job last Friday because a friend of mine, Austin Hankwins, he's also another personal finance creator, was in town for... A big Super Bowl party, some stuff going on with this company called Money Lion, and he and I met up to chat business, meet in person, all that fun stuff last Friday, and then I had a lot of work stuff, like business work stuff to catch up on. I have a handful of different sponsors that have come up that are all kind of happening in February and March, um, both that are going to be posted on my page, as well as some that are just like content creation for the brand so that's something that I love to do because it allows me to like be creative but that being said when you've got a lot of stuff going on um you know it can be hard to keep up with everything so I just needed some time off of work to catch up and obviously get together with Austin that was important so I took some time off last Friday and then I had a relatively low-key weekend mostly just working um, on Saturday and then on Sunday I went to a really cool Super Bowl party sponsored by Money Lion. They invited me to come um, and it was my first time ever going to something like that. Like, and not, I don't even think it was would be considered like an influencer party. It was really like a brand party. Um, Mike Tyson was there, so he's a huge partner with Money Lion, and they live-streamed the Super Bowl. It was up in the Hollywood Hills, which was really cool, and this big house that had a pool. The view was amazing. 
And there were so many other like finance creators and some TikTok creators too that aren't in the personal finance space that were there. And it was really cool to like meet everybody in real life. So like I mentioned, I met Austin in real life. I also met Duke Loves Taxes, um, Nick Talks Money. There's a bunch of like big finance creators that were all there. So it was great to meet everybody in person, make those connections and Enjoy the Super Bowl from a beautiful home with a beautiful view and meet some new people. I had a really, really great time. I'm so happy that Money Lion invited me. And yeah, um, it was a good reminder just of like how much opportunity exists in the online space. I think a lot of people think that being a content creator or influencing in the traditional sense of like fashion, clothes, whatever, that it's too saturated and not everybody can do it. But I think it's important to remember that like you can create content online that isn't, you know, influencery in the sense of clothes and beauty and wellness and lifestyle. Like there are so many other things and other niches that you can focus on. Like for me, personal finance, career, that kind of thing is, you know, one of my passions, obviously, and there's so much opportunity in doing that. And I think that opportunity is replicated in all of the other different types of industries and niches that you could think of. So if it's something that you have thought of and are like, "Mm, there's too many people doing it, like not enough space for me, that kind of thing, I would definitely challenge you to rethink that because every single area of life, there's opportunity to build a following online and basically create a career from it. And I think there's a lot of like, I don't know, interesting or differing opinions on this and what all of this looks like. But now that I'm beginning to experience like meeting people in real life and again, opportunities that are coming up that I never really thought applied to me because I'm not that traditional beauty, wellness, lifestyle kind of um, person. It's just really, really crazy. So I guess that's, I don't know where I was going with that, but I would just encourage you to like, if this is something you want to do, I always say like, if I can do it, you can do it because I am the least social media person ever. And somehow, some way I've made it happen, which again, still blows my mind. But anyways, I think that's all I really have to say about that. There's lots of stuff brewing, no updates to share at this point in time, but hopefully there will be in the near future. Um, I've had some really cool projects come through the pipeline, um, so we'll see if they turn into anything. And yeah, I guess what we can do now is just move into the meat of the episode, which is investing. So I've mapped this out a little bit and I guess we'll see where it takes us. But basically what I wanna talk through is like why you need to invest, inflation, how that kind of plays into why investing is so important, a couple of different types of investments, um, asset allocation and diversification and how those kind of blend into types of investments. And then I'll get into my investment strategy, some of the things that I'm investing in personally and yeah, we'll see where the episode takes us. But again, another another disclaimer, I'm going to say it again. This is not intended as advice. You should not be taking it as advice. I think it's really important to just hear other people's perspectives, other people's opinions, and what other people are doing so that you can formulate the smartest strategy for you. 
and act on it in your own way. But please, please, please do not interpret this as me telling you what to invest in. And just because I invest in something or personally have found success investing in something does not mean you should or that you will. So remember that. And also keep in mind, every single type of investment, no matter what, comes with a degree of risk. So that's just the name of the game. If you are incredibly risk averse and you don't want to invest your money, then that's your choice. But keep in mind that like the, you will never find a risk-free investment and to think that that's a thing. So many people ask me that like, how like am I guaranteed to make money? Um, you are most definitely not. I mean, the likelihood that you, if you're a long-term investor, that you lose money forever. I mean, I can't really answer that. It's low. I'm not worried about it. But again, you can't really knock anything out. So, anyways, I'll get off my soapbox on that. But to jump into things. The first thing that I want to talk about is why you need to start investing. And really the kicker here is because of inflation. So you may hear that like, oh, you need to start investing so your money grows and you can create this passive income and your wealth will build. And that is obviously very, very, very important. But one of the main, and I think in my opinion, most important reasons why you need to be investing is so that your money can outpace inflation. So Inflation is one of those concepts that's been, I feel like, in the headlines recently because it's super high right now, but it is something that you need to understand. And basically, in short, it's the increase of price levels within the economy. So goods and services, so things you're buying, different services that you would purchase or need are increasing. I think a really good example of this is gas, like gas prices have gone up dramatically, prices of things at the grocery store. It basically is the cost of things that you need in your day-to-day life going up while your wage or your income stays the same and is not increasing proportionally. So your dollar goes less, like doesn't go as far. You can buy less with the same amount of money. It's called a decrease in purchasing power. But I think something that a lot of people don't realize is that inflation is normal and it's monitored But generally, it's supposed to be hovering around 2%. And more recently, it's been significantly higher just given what I believe to be like a lot of the broader impacts of COVID, the Fed playing around with interest rates, that kind of stuff. I think the reasoning behind it, I don't necessarily want to get too far into because I think it's it's not irrelevant, but it's less important um, to the broader conversation of understanding what inflation is. So There are a few different types of inflation. One is called demand pull inflation. And this is basically what happens when the demand for something is higher than the actual supply. So an example of this would be the housing market. So the housing market has been crazy over the last couple of years. And that has to do with the fact that more people want to be leaving the cities and buying homes than people who are putting their houses up for sale. So there's like an overwhelming demand for houses that really starkly contrasts with the dwindling number of houses that exist in the market. So that's why the price of a house is so much higher now, why you have to pay more, because more people want a house than houses are available. Seems pretty obvious. It is pretty obvious. I think that's another thing that a lot of people get tripped up on is the concept of inflation like at face value is not really that complicated. The next is what's called cost push inflation. 
And this basically happens when the cost to produce something is increasing and then companies will increase the prices to offset that. So think like the cost to produce, I don't know, or ingredients to make a sandwich, for example, cost more. And so you're going to be, the price of the ingredients for that sandwich are going to be passed on to you instead of the company. So the company that makes bread, let's say it costs more to get yeast and you have to pay people more and whatever. So instead of the company absorbing that increase in price and reducing their amount of profit, what they're going to do is increase the price that they sell to you so that that makes up for the increase in price and the ingredients and the labor and the cost to make it and their profit margins stay the same. So those two things are kind of happening at the same time, this demand pull inflation, cost push inflation. You are seeing it everywhere you look in the market, but that's why inflation or the concept of inflation is really, really important to understand in the sense of investing because over time, like inflation isn't really going to go away. We're going to see, you know, different swings of it here or there throughout our lives. But in general, 50 years from now, the million dollars, let's say, that you're hoping to have invested is not going to be worth the same as a million dollars would today. But if you were just saving your money and your money wasn't growing in the stock market, you would ultimately end up with less. In short, if we were to think of inflation hovering at around 2 to 3% every single year, what that means is every single year, your dollar is worth 2% less. So you can buy 2% less of things with the same amount of money. So the only way for your money to keep up with that 2% would be to invest it because an interest rate, for example, on a savings account is not going to earn 2% every year, even a high yield savings account. They used to, but they no longer do, unfortunately. Maybe that will change. But investing historically and on average, which again, take this with a grain of salt, has hovered at around 7% annually. But remember, that's an average, a moving average. So one year it could be negative 10%, the next year it could be positive 30%. And those things average out over time to get us at around that 7% annual growth, which obviously outpaces inflation a lot. So that's really the reason why investing is so important. Because if you were to just leave your money in a savings account, not only is it not growing, but it's actually losing value because your purchasing power decreases every single year. So next, I think we can talk about just like basic types of investment. So I usually get a lot of questions about like, what's a mutual fund? What's an index fund? What's an ETF? Like, what are the differences of these things? And I'm going to break them down very, very simply. I think something to keep in mind here is that there are so many different types of these things that fall within each of these um, investment vehicle types or investment type categories, we'll call them. So like there are domestic stocks, domestic mutual funds, domestic index funds, international index funds, emerging markets, mutual funds. Like there are so many different types of these investments that we could sit here for three days and go through the definitions of each of them. But I'm going to give you the high levels and then I'm going to challenge you to like research on your own a little bit. And then when I have like a weekly Q&A session on my Instagram, feel free to ask me and I can go into more detail there, but I don't want to make this episode 18 years long. So we're going to go over stocks, mutual funds, index funds, 
and ETFs. And I'll try to give you my best way of like what to think of or how to think of these things with a real life example. So first things first, a stock. So a stock is likely the most well-known type of investment because when people think of investing, they're thinking of the stock market. So this is basically like the basic, basic thing. Most people think of like just buying a single stock when they think of investing. But when you buy a single stock, you're basically purchasing part ownership of a publicly traded company. So when you purchase that stock, you're becoming a part owner of that company of which stock you've purchased. This is why you may often hear that it's really important to research the future of the company and make sure you're buying stock in companies that you actually believe in. However, obviously there's going to be inherent risk in purchasing just a singular stock. And the reason being is because we can hope that the value of that company and ultimately the value of that stock is going to increase and you're going to make money. But there's always going to be that risk that there's a failure within the company, people leave the company, things don't go as planned, and as a result, the value of that individual stock loses or goes down, you lose value, and then ultimately, like theoretically, you're losing money. I think another important thing to note here is that when you are investing and you see fluctuations in value, even if your portfolio value is down, you haven't actually lost money until you sell at a loss. So like say that you invested $100 and in the next year it goes down 50%, now you only have $50. When you sell, if you were to sell that stock at $50 when you bought it for 100, then you realize that loss, you lost the $50. But if you keep that money in the stock market and it increases in value again, then you haven't actually lost any money. So that's really, really important. So when you think about losing value versus losing actual dollars, that's the key difference is you're not realizing the loss until you sell. So to summarize, basically an individual stock is part ownership of a company. And that's just like basic understanding, really important to know. Where it gets a little bit different is when we get into mutual funds. So I want you to think of mutual funds as pooled money. And basically, when you invest in a mutual fund, you are pooling your money with other people who are also investing in this fund into a bucket. And then that money is used to purchase different stocks that you are ultimately invested in. So a mutual fund, you're investing in multiple stocks, and this is all based on the broader strategy of whatever that mutual fund is. A key difference between a mutual fund and an index fund, which we're gonna get into, but like a defining factor of a mutual fund specifically is that it's actively managed. So active management means that there is a person, a fund manager, who is actively making investment decisions on what to invest in with that pooled money. And usually these decisions are based around the broader, again, fund strategy. So that could be anything from investment type, geography, industry. So for an example, you can invest in a mutual fund that only buys stocks from technology companies or only buys stocks with US fitness companies or you know, only invests in international technology stocks. Like there's 18 million thousands of those. So I think that's a key distinction to make is a mutual fund is you're investing in multiple different stocks and you are pooling your money with other investors and then somebody is investing that money on your behalf. 
Index funds, which we'll get into now, on the other hand, are slightly different. So an index fund is a type of mutual fund, but it is a passive investment. So you know how I noted that a mutual fund was active, meaning there's a fund manager making those investment decisions. An index fund is passive in the sense that it's tracking a broader stock market index. So for example, the S&P 500. That means that all of the investments within that fund are based on the makeup or allocation of the current S&P 500 index. So that's what makes an index fund passive and why it's called an index fund is because it tracks that index and that is how those investments are chosen. So basically, when you invest in an index fund, you're getting a slice of a variety of different companies in the same way as you are a mutual fund. The difference is that ultimately, all of the companies that you're invested in through an index fund are predetermined based on that index, and they're not going to be interchanged given somebody's decision to, for example, try to beat the market, which is what happens with a lot of mutual funds. Because they track an index and there's no person actively making investment decisions behind it, they're generally less expensive than a mutual fund. A mutual fund, since there's a fund manager and it's actively managed, generally has a higher expense ratio compared to an index fund. There's a lot of conflicting opinions or information around which is better. Um, I think that's a question that nobody can really answer truthfully. Like, I, a lot of times people will ask me, like, what's the best investment? Like, which one's better, this or this? And like, there's no answer to that. And I don't think even using the word better or best in the sense of investment, investing is a smart word. I think that you should try to avoid that word in general because it's different for everyone. And that's an, it's an unanswerable question. Um, I personally am not in any index funds right now. I'm in indexed ETFs, which I'll explain what an ETF is at this point. So an ETF is called an exchange traded fund, and it's basically marrying a stock and a mutual fund or an index fund, which remember an index fund is a type of mutual fund. And what happens is it trades like a stock on an exchange. So you can buy and sell it on, for example, like the New York Stock Exchange. But you can it's invested in multiple different types of companies or it contains multiple different investments. So when you think about a mutual fund, this is something that I did not explain or an index fund. So you don't trade mutual or index funds. You, again, pool your money. So you can't like sell a share of a mutual fund. That's not really how it works. You can sell a share of a stock and you can sell a share of an ETF, but you're not doing that with mutual funds and index funds. I like to think of it like this. So if you had a bouquet of flowers, a stock is an individual flower. So you buy one or and you give it to someone, whatever. A mutual fund or an index fund is like a very large organized flower arrangement. There are lots of different kinds you can get. Usually you have to order them in advance. They're a lot more, comp not complicated, but bigger potentially, like a little, require a little more detail and thought. An ETF is a bouquet. 
So you can buy them with the same ease as like walking into the store and purchasing a bouquet, but you're getting a variety of flowers in the same way that you would with a floral arrangement or an index fund or mutual fund situation. So that's basically what an ETF is. I personally like ETFs for my investment strategy and my situation because they're a lot easier to buy and sell. Um, and also they don't require minimum. So the minimum that you need to buy an ETF is just the price of the share, where with index funds, a lot of times you have to put in like $5,000 at once or $1,000 at once. And sometimes I just don't want to do that or I don't have that to put in at that moment. And so I just like to buy ETFs. And that's what I've been doing. So I'm going to continue to do that just for the sake of ease. But that's not to say that I'm not open to index funds. I absolutely am. Um, I do generally steer away from mutual funds just because they are expensive. Um, but again, that's not to say that if you are in a mutual fund, that's a bad idea. I actually do have a mutual fund because all of my retirement money is in a 2060 target date fund, and that is a mutual fund. It's not an index fund. Um, so those are the mutual funds that I buy. But in general, when I'm investing, I'm purchasing ETFs. The other reason I like ETFs is because they have lower fees. Um, they're usually very, very, very inexpensive and you can buy index ETFs. So like you can buy an S&P 500 ETF, um, which I like to do. So it just makes things, I personally think it makes things easier and their payoff between like an S&P 500 ETF and index fund, like they're essentially the same thing. It's just the vehicle is a little bit different. So at a high level, those are different types of investments that are very popular. I do have a beginner's guide to investing that goes into more detail on these and some other things. So I'll make sure that that's linked in the show notes for you to download if you would like it. But I think the last area that I want to talk about quickly is diversification and asset allocation. And then I'll talk to you a little bit about where my money is right now. And then we'll wrap this up. So Diversification is a really important concept to understand. And basically it means that you are diversifying your portfolio and investing in different assets and in different industries to ultimately reduce risk. So say you were to invest 100% of your life savings into Peloton is a really great re like recent example. And for a while, like Peloton stocks doing really well, your savings are up, you're earning all this money. But then something goes wrong and the Peloton stock dropped and so did the value of all of your savings. And the reason why that happened is because all of your savings were in this one stock. So everything was dependent on what happened with this one particular investment. And that's obviously very, very risky because you know anything can happen at any point in time with any company. And we can do all of the research and analysis to predict that, but you kind of never really truly know. Nobody can predict the future. So diversification is basically the concept of not putting all of your eggs in one basket. It's spreading your money out into different investment types, different industries to hopefully reduce risk. So if one investment does really well and another investment does poorly, they offset each other and basically you're protecting your investments. So you can diversify your portfolio and your investments by choosing to invest in a lot of different types of things. And I think the best way for me to really explain this is to walk you through my current 
brokerage portfolio. So I'm going to do that. So I have my brokerage portfolio pulled up and I'm not going to tell you guys exactly which ETFs I have because I really, really, really don't want this to be like just because I'm in it, you invest in it. I think it's really important to do your own research, but I'll give you a breakdown of what um, types of ETFs I'm invested in and then you can make your own decision. So basically, my brokerage portfolio right now, I am on the Vanguard website, which is where my broadest or biggest brokerage account is. Currently, my brokerage portfolio is broken up in 88% stock, 6% bonds, and 5% short-term reserves, which I'm going to assume is cash that I need to invest, <laughs> that I've transferred over and haven't invested yet. So let me confirm that. Give me one sec. Oh, okay. So I realized what it was. Um, it's in short-term inflation-protected securities. These are called TIPS. I purchased a couple of shares of this ETF specifically while we were, um, and I mean, we still are in a very high inflationary environment because they're designed to help protect against inflation. But again, that's a choice that I made on my own. So I'm not going to get into detail around it because I don't want to mislead you if you are doing something differently or confuse you. So anyway. My current brokerage portfolio, like I said, is 80% or 88% stocks, a little bit of bonds, and a little bit of short-term reserves, which were those tips. Ultimately, I want to have 10% bonds, 90% stock. So the next time that I purchase ETFs in my brokerage account, I will be buying um, stocks or stock like not bond ETFs, I'll be buying stock ETFs. So from a high level, some of the investments that I have, I have an emerging markets ETF. I have a lot of money in an S&P 500 ETF. Um, I have some bonds, so long-term and short-term bonds, as well as international bonds. And I have some small cap stocks as well. And I've kind of, you know, shape-shifted my portfolio breakdown just based on some research that I've been doing around why to have different types of investments or how international kind of plays a role in your portfolio, which I can do a whole episode on. But I think the purpose that I wanted to point out here is that my entire investment portfolio isn't in the S&P 500. The reason being is because the S&P 500 is part of like or like is made up of mostly technology companies. So technology companies are siloed within the technology industry. So by investing in the S&P 500, I'm not getting that broader diversification that a lot of people think you get because it's so heavily concentrated in tech. And I want to break out of that a little bit. So I've purchased like emerging markets. I've purchased some small cap value. And another thing that I've recently done is started investing with Fundrise. So I have a link. I'll put them in my show notes as well. But I'm trying to also diversify my portfolio outside of the stock market. And the reason being is because the stock market isn't the only way to invest. And it is very volatile. And we're going through a very volatile period right now. And there is a lot of value in investing in real estate. And I like the idea of investing in real estate because A, it diversifies me outside of the stock market. But B, when I use a thing, uh, app like Fundrise, I can invest in real estate without like purchasing my own real estate, which is something that I haven't done yet and I'm not planning to do 
at least within the next year or two while I'm living in California. So I've diversified outside of just these ETFs as well. So the gist here that I want to give you when it comes to diversification and asset allocation, because those two things kind of meld together, is you want to allocate your portfolio to have different types of assets. So stocks, bonds, real estate, cryptocurrency. I've got a very little teeny bit of crypto. Um, you want to diversify to have different asset classes and different types of assets. And what the right proportion is for you, I mean, you can do a quick Google search and or you can take like a risk tolerance quiz online. Um, just Google like and build your investment portfolio risk tolerance quiz, like something will come up that will kind of give you an idea. They'll ask you some questions and it will give you an idea of what your risk tolerance is, which is how much risk you're willing to take on with your investments and how to allocate your portfolio accordingly to have like the right percentage of bonds, the right percentage of stocks to ideally achieve what you're looking to achieve. I'm pretty sure Vanguard has one, so I'll see if I can find it and I'll also link that in the show notes. But that's also a really good tool to use if you're like starting from scratch. Um, you can use a robo-advisor too to help you do that. I like Wealthfront. I don't have a link with them anymore, unfortunately. But if you use Wealthfront, they'll build a portfolio for you based on your risk tolerance, which is really great. But the point here is to make sure that you are diversifying. And you're diversifying in asset class, but you also want to think about diversifying in industry. So tech, um, retail, like their geography too. So emerging markets, international, like there's so many different things that you can be doing and there's no right answer, best answer, right thing for me. That's right for you, etc. Like it's so individualized and specific based on your needs, your future, what you want, your investment goals, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's really important to learn and it's really important to understand what these are, why some people choose different investments over others and that's part of what we're trying to do is first understand okay what's diversification and then in future episodes too like i'll go into detail on allocation breakdown and like why i choose certain things i just don't want to make this episode too long so if you're interested in that please send me a dm um on Instagram or bring it up in a question box so that I see that and I know and I can make sure that it's included in future episodes. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to start wrapping this up now. I think I've kind of gone into enough detail around what diversification, what diversification is as well as sharing some of the investments that I'm in. Um, I'll give you a high level of like my whole portfolio breakdown. Um, so right now I have a brokerage account um, as well as a couple of different retirement accounts. So my retirement accounts, I have um, a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA with T. Rowe Price, as well as a 401k with my nine to five job. So all of those investments are in a 2060 target date fund. Um, I like target date funds for retirement just because they're easy. Um, and then I have my brokerage account. So I have one with Vanguard, Wealthfront, and Stash. Stash was the first place that I invested my money um, outside of like my 401k. So I love Stash so much. I'm doing some ads for them, not on my page, but you may see me. You may see me on TikTok talking about Stash. I'm really excited about that. Um, 
but I also use Stash, and I use Stash to buy more like niche ETFs. I really like them because they're easy to use, but they have like so many different things. So I buy like cannabis ETFs and environment ETFs using Stash. It's way less money in there compared to some of these other longer term investments. Um, and then with Vanguard is my broadest, like biggest brokerage account. Um, and then I also have with Vanguard, this is more recent, a SEP IRA. And I'm kind of using my SEP IRA as not an experiment, but I'm it's a retirement account that's not in a 2060 fund. And I'm modeling it after my brokerage account. So there's nothing really new to add there. Um, they're built pretty similarly, but that's the other like investment account that I have. And then I also have an account with Coinbase where I invest in crypto. Um, and again, not that much in there. I think I, I invested like $1,500 in there last year in 2021. And then I didn't add anything else to it just yet. I think I'm going to, I have a goal this year to invest like another five or 10K in crypto. Um, so we'll get there. I just haven't done it yet. And then the last account that I have is Fundrise. And I'm going to be investing $5,000 minimally with Fundrise this year. I've already invested $1,000. I'm going to be doing another $1,000 next month um, till I get to $5,000. So that is my goal um, with diversifying outside of the stock market. Who knows? I might do more in Fundrise. We'll see. I'm testing it out live because I'm curious and I'm interested in investing in real estate and I'm kind of taking you guys along on that journey. So if you have questions about that, make sure you're following me on Instagram because that's where I talk about it the most. And yeah, that's my investment portfolio slash strategy. I hope it was helpful. I hope this gives you line of sight into like what I'm doing. I know that I don't talk about it that much. And the reason why I don't talk about it that much is intentional because I don't want to mislead you and like well I feel like I'm pretty well versed in investing I am not licensed I'm a self-proclaimed expert but there's so much to learn when it comes to investing that I don't even want to say I'm an expert because I'm not I would say I'm like intermediate um but I do know enough about the basics I feel like to talk about it in an educational and knowledgeable way so that's why I share and hopefully can inspire you to at least learn about the questions to ask um, and if I can't help you, I can point you in the right direction of somebody who can. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up. I hope this was interesting. As always, if you have questions about stuff, send me a DM. I try to get through all my DMs. I'm so sorry if I haven't gotten back to you. Send me a DM or wait for the question boxes. Um, I do a month, I do a weekly Q and A every Monday. Um, and yeah, I will catch you guys next week and talk to you later.